0: Uh, now I can hear you.
1: Okay, cool. I don't know what's going on. Right, oh, see. and that
0: audio is pretty crisp, too.
1: Yeah, it does sound good. Um, nice. Okay,
0: let me see.
1: Yeah, I think this works. Yeah.
0: Sweet. New solution. Okay. <laughs> I love the idea of this because I can actually, like, I can literally invite anybody on a podcast and be confident that I'm going to get some solid audio.
1: I 100% agree with that. I just also feel super bad about spending a couple thousand dollars on all this other equipment and uh, all the time to build it. And I ended up just using my cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) No, I am also sitting in front of thousands of dollars of equipment. I have, like, two monitors, a Samsung curved screen, fucking a exactly. mic and all that stuff, bro. Trust me. I'm in the same boat. I'm. Yeah. That's part of why I'm, like, it's so frustrating to not have a computer at the moment because it's, like, bro, with all, like, I, I bought this to make music, and I'm literally, yeah. like, my keyboard is still tucked against the wall. Like, it's just frustrating, but things got to come first.
1: Yeah. I built this stuff for our podcast and for the stream and to like not be able to get it to run properly, uh, at least for like the Zoom stuff. It's fine for like the in-person, like local stuff, but I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess I haven't done it a whole lot with uh, with you guys because we've all kind of been scattered uh, this last mm-hmm. year or so, but we'll figure it out, I guess. But this does sound good. This does sound crisp.
0: Yeah, what's up man
1: exactly. how
0: you been i have been uh trooping man uh it's been it's been just you know rough few months as far as like looking for open doors like i can't say my ex- my actual experience has been rough per se um yeah. but you know i had gotten late i think i told you all, i got laid off in january so it's like yeah the business is growing Uh, things are going well like I'm uh, excited to continue building out content like I think I'm at like over 19,000 on TikTok now Um, but uh, yeah I'm just kind of like on the hunt for opportunity like I I was I was really frustrated yesterday because I was like the breadth of experiences that I've had whether they be like creative or in production combined with the people that I know Yeah. It doesn't feel like things are adding up where it's like, yo, where where niggas at, bro? Like I see that y'all are working, I see that y'all are making sure that y'all are good and I'm see that y'all are making sure that certain other people are good. Either explain to me what I did wrong or like explain to me why I don't get why I'm not on the call list. Because it's like you're aware of my situation. Um so yeah, it's been Me and my lady have definitely been talking about moving out of DC, not just explicitly because of that, but just it being time to go. I was actually listening
1: to our last episode, getting ready for this one, and I think you said something similar, like you weren't sure if you wanted to stay in DC, and you were -hmm. something you were mulling over. Um, So you guys are moving more in that direction, we probably thinking about moving.
0: Yeah, it's like it's very definitively going to happen. Where it's like my me staying in this apartment would be based on like some fantastic level of opportunity happening like showing up locally yeah versus um like finding where the opportunity is and using that as like gas to get out of here and go somewhere else
1: yeah i get it um i want to make sure you like plug your your tiktok and all your social media and stuff cuz actually i have um i've been telling cuz i like i work with a lot of girls who are into spirituality and tarot and everything you're about, like, and I, when they talk to me about it, I'm like, Oh, you should totally check out my dude. And, um, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that, you know, people that come to the podcast can like find your stuff. So you want to let everybody know where,
0: Oh yeah. Your, TikTok sure. name and name, your handles and all that. Um, yeah, the, the, the best place to go to find me is probably Instagram where it's at Neek Nil N E E K N I L uh you click the link in my bio and literally it'll take you everywhere else so the tiktok youtube my blog where you can book me um all of that stuff is in the link in my bio
1: and you do tarot readings and everything too like i feel like that's the main yeah thing uh, that the sorry. offering
0: <laughs> well all right sorry. so the the tarot thing is a is a big thing um oh, yeah. and then there's the alignment coaching. So the intake for alignment coaching, I do what's called like a chart analysis. Yeah. So we break down your chart. A lot of people are just focused on their sun, moon and rising. We go a little bit further um, into some other things that have to do with like your emotional makeup, your business drive makeup yeah. um, and your relational makeup. And we use that to um, construct a coaching regimen to get you where you want to be. That's what's up.
1: Yeah, that sounds useful, especially for a lot of people I know. Like, yeah, <laughs> so I like think everyone's like it out.
0: the exactly, and and the focus is like giving you the tools for you to be able to like navigate. Like my my thing is, if I give you a compass, you'll always be able to get to wherever you want to go, versus yeah. me giving you a map to a specific des- destination. So it's like, coaching is about providing you with a compass so that you can navigate yourself. It's not about coming to me for answers I'm gonna we're gonna construct ways for you to answer questions that need to be answered
1: that sounds great that sounds like everybody I know could benefit from everybody I know could benefit from that kind of a service
0: yeah and it's like bro if if that's not something that you want to dive into it's like that's great you can definitely see what an experience is like working with me through a tarot reading because it's gonna kind of work the same way um So the like the idea across the board is just providing modalities for you to see how, like my process to problem solving um, and storytelling in order to figure out like, hey, this is the desired ending. Here's how we build to that.
1: And things are going well on TikTok, like you're getting a lot of traffic coming
0: through and people checking you out on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. The the funny thing is like the, the majority of stuff that people are gravitating towards is like the numerology stuff. Yeah. So the like breaking down of like life paths, the understanding of like what the energies of each number means in general. Yeah. Um, so I've been low key, like thinking about ways to kind of expand on certain topics. Like there's a lot of information that I get from people with what you would assume to be limited information. And it's like, Everything down to the address of someone's house is going to actually give me like a lot of information. One of the coolest things that I've seen happen on TikTok was this one lady came in. I had this post where I talked about address numbers specifically. And she was like, well, what can you tell me about this address? And based on the number she gave me, I was like, well, I would probably look into like changing your perspective on the property. Like, what does it look like for you to either, you know, sell the property or repurpose it? She comes back and comments like two months later and was like, oh, by the way, the day after you said that to me, I ended up selling the property to buy another one. And now there's like 10 how there's like 10 horses, 10 cows and chickens and like all this other extra shit. Uh, And it just yeah, it was nuts. I was like, oh, well, there you go. Yeah, I wasn't wrong. Awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's the stuff. I think we should also address that uh, Q and Rob are not, not here. Um, Rob is in Boston back home visiting family. Uh, I think he comes back in late, late tonight. Um, and I talked to Q, mm-hmm. but he wasn't going to be ready to do anything until later on this evening. And I'm actually going to be out and about. Like I'm, we had a window to kind of record where it turned out that like you and I could kind of be the only two to connect. And I feel like most of the stuff we're talking about uh, today is, is stuff that you and I mostly connect on anyway. Like it's where nerd culture mm-hmm. is going and stuff like that, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. uh, if, if you don't mind, like, I actually wanted to talk to you specifically because I've been going through some stuff in my personal life. Um, mm-hmm. like I, I think I told you last episode, like uh, I was kind of in the mix in like a polyamorous situation And I've kind Mm -hmm. of been doing my best to learn and figure out how to navigate these waters. And um, I don't know. I think I kind of wanted to, like, get information from you and hear about your experiences. And I'm really Mm -hmm. just trying to absorb information to, like, learn how to exist in this unorthodox situation. You know, it's it's difficult. It's tricky, but I'm trying my best. Um, so what, yeah. can you tell me about your experience or your whole experience about the length of time you've been polyamorous and just whatever you want to share yeah. with me that
0: might help me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I remember uh, so the person who actually there was this, this thing that uh, Q said to me once yeah. um, where he, it was like, Someone was like, "Oh, have you ever been in uh, a polyamorous relationship or something like that?" And the and the person's response was like, "Not knowingly or something to that effect." Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. And so the idea just being is like a lot of people have actually experienced this thing. Yeah. Uh, it's just not with consent, right? Yeah. So, I um, I've definitely like been a dickhead before um you know <laughs> when I was younger yeah um particularly coming out of like high school and stuff like that like I didn't know what was going on I was just getting attention and stuff like that so yeah I was like a serial monogamous for a while and that definitely came with like overlap yeah. um but later on like when I was probably like 28 29 was when I first started just like being very open about the fact that like I was dating people and it came from a space of Probably like confidence at that point. Like I was, first of all, I had a failed engagement. Funny yeah. that I would say confidence and then say that. Uh, I shouldn't say a failed engagement either. I left because she was she was physically abusive. Really? Um, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a that's a whole other story. But yes. uh, yeah, yeah, had experience with 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 domestic uh, abuse. Um, and the it's it you know a lot of people don't talk about like the, the male end of that experience, I guess. Yeah. Like, as a can I of her. Um, but it's one of probably like the scariest things because you, you feel like I was significantly bigger than her. Yeah. Right. Like if I wanted to do something, I would have broke her in half. Like I, but yeah. it's like the, the feeling of that restriction, Um, on top of, like, layers of frustration, like, it's just a really, 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 really bad situation to be in. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so, like, coming out of that, I was just like, you know what? I'm the fucking boss. It's a pleasure to be around me. Fuck everybody. Y'all are going to know, like, I am who I am. Yeah. And so um, that's where it kind of, like, started from a very, like, spiteful place. Um, Yeah. When I moved to D.C., I had softened a bit. Uh, particularly because I was like completely alone out here Uh, and so the experiences that I had with it were around learning how to be exceedingly honest um, and kind of figuring out that the trick was almost everything that I didn't want to be honest about was about was like extremely key to the success of whatever it was that I wanted to time. yeah um so whether that came with having open discussions about just like, hey, I don't like the fact that other people have access to you and like being able to have a full discussion where no one's being defensive. We're just actually talking about feelings. Um, and getting past that in different ways uh, with different people, like the, it was different per person. Um, but learning how to not be, learning how to relinquish the thought of possession as it occurs when I'm loving a person yeah um and that's not to say that like oh and now I've like refined the practice and it's all good it's no I'm just like highly self-aware of when I'm being possessive versus when I'm actually loving my partner yeah um what I'll say is yeah like the biggest thing is just I would say like the biggest piece of advice is really just being honest about feelings is uh-huh. the most important part and the hardest part I think for most guys um, because it requires you being like real like hey I'm afraid that if I tell you how I really feel about X I'm going to lose my connection with you yeah that is what is sure. required for there to be the connection that you're looking to maintain and that's what they want but it's so like antithetical to what we're brought up to to do because we're always brought up to conquer fear by like not acknowledging it
1: yeah this this is bringing up a lot of stuff for me um in my situation Mm. um where it's actually uh we actually had to break up like a few months ago but like we Mm -hmm. have talked about things well like uh her primary partner who's been with her for like seven years kind of made us break up um hmm but uh, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure about how honest everybody is about their feelings about everything. Like I feel like, and this is something I've said to her, and um, I don't know, I think she might get upset hearing this, but it's how I feel. Um, mm-hmm. I am not 100% certain how honest they are with how they actually feel deep down. You know, like, I feel like there is a yeah. major effort to be supportive. You know, this is my partner. I want to be supportive. And if I'm not supportive, I may uh, incur like some type of punishment or have them pull back from me. So I'm going to be supportive uh, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But I refrain mm-hmm. from saying that I'm not comfortable with
0: this or I don't want this, you know. Um, and basically, yeah. I think that to be honest, yeah. that's common. Like, Yeah. I think that uh, one of the biggest problems in the whole like poly... We'll say if we're going to use a word like polyamorous community, then like, okay, yeah. fine. But if one of the biggest problems I would say is the amount of people who engage in the practice without going to therapy and like working their shit up. Yeah. Um, or And or both. The two are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. But like the... uh The amount of like drama or, you know, negative experiences that are associated with people like nine times out of 10. If I hear someone's story, I'm going to know if they've actually like been forthcoming about dealing with some of the shit that they go through in their lives or some of the shit that they go through in their head. Yeah. The only reason why the funny you want to know the funniest thing. Yeah. Uh, I will say as far as my experience, a couple of other people I know and I recently heard in a Jadena interview, which is not really a reference of anything. I'm not a big Jadena fan, but he was just making a point that I related to. A lot of people that I know who really go through the polyamorous experience and find their, I guess, like, quote unquote, true partner, they never stop being polyamorous in their agreement but they become very monogamish in their connection with each other yeah. because of the level of safety that occurs. And so anytime that that safety is not present, I'm, I'm, my alarm bells are going to be going off for a person where it's like, huh, can't be going that well, and this is probably adding additional t- toxicity to what's going on in your shit. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I was not prepared for any of this. Yeah. I'm, uh... yeah,
0: I think a lot of a lot of us go like, yo, this is great. I get to go and get pussy anywhere, and then like you actually have the opportunity to do it, and you meet somebody you're like, I don't really want to. <laughs> like, yeah. wait, what the fuck?
1: Well, see, my situation was a little different because uh, I full disclosure, I went through like a gnarly breakup approximately like in 2012, 2013, and following mm-hmm. it, I went on like a rampage of just like dating to distract myself from, like, being upset mm-hmm. or feeling all these negative feelings. And I realized that, um, one, I wasn't ready to just be starting to date anyone. I wasn't upfront about what I was looking for. Like, you know, I'm not looking for anything serious. I am mm-hmm. I was just willy-nilly just out and about. Like, I wasn't dating multiple girls at once, but it was like, like you said, serial monogamy. Um, it was one right after another. And... Uh, I think I was looking to replace my ex. And if this person wasn't checking the boxes that she was, then I would pull the plug. And I re- when I realized mm-hmm. how toxic that was, I was like, I need to take a step back and not date and just get used to being alone and getting to uh, just figure out who I am by myself, you know, and waiting for mm-hmm. somebody that actually liked all these things about them for them instead of like trying to get them to fit into this mold that this other person fit into previously. Um, so I, I stopped dating yeah. for a long time. And uh, when I met this girl, she she talked to me, like we, we had good conversations and eventually she told me like, I'm into you, but I'm not single. So I thought like that was the end of it, you know? I was like, okay. Uh, this is her saying, like, obviously there's something here, but I want you to know it can't go anywhere because, you know, I'm I'm with somebody, you know, just, and I I was like, cool. You know, I enjoy just our conversation. Like if we're just going to be friends, we're going to be friends, I'm fine with that. And she let me know, like, as the weeks went on that, no, uh, we can do this, but there are stipulations and things in place. And I finally asked her like, are you guys polyamorous? And she was like, yeah, but there's more to it. And just little by little, she was like letting me know what's going on and as I was piecing it together I was like well I w- wasn't sure if I was ready to date again or if I was ever going to be ready to date again but this kind of seems like a lightweight way to kind of dip a toe back into dating yeah. where like she has a primary partner who uh, does like most of the heavy lifting in terms of like emotional mm-hmm. support et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it would be more casual on my side, like you know, light dating and things like that. Um, yeah. But it did get really uh, serious and intense right away. And I think that's kind of where we uh, didn't miscalculated how, yeah. how much everything was gonna blow up in our faces. Um, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't just me thinking that, yep, I'm gonna be able to get all this extra pussy now, like you know, it was yeah. me no, thinking no. of like a relationship with like, uh, I don't know. I don't want her to hear this and think it's derogatory, but like, kind of having training wheels on and me learning how to yeah. exist like this again, you know? No, I just know
0: exactly what you mean. Because um, yeah. I definitely use it to like, I can use it to get comfortable with getting to know people. Yes, a little exactly. Bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So it's just like, yo, the freedom of just being like, hey, let's go on a date, and I, yeah. I, it doesn't matter that I went on a date with someone else yesterday. Like, I just, I had to undo a lot yeah. in my head. Um, but the thing that I ended up having to confront is the majority of my failures that occurred in polyamorous relationships where I wouldn't say that everyone runs into this, but it is something that I've seen a lot is the expectation that I somehow had less emotional responsibility as a result of like the openness. And it's, it's like the polar opposite period, not even just in like your case or in cases where you really click in general, like it doesn't work if you don't come in with the full ownership of like no, like, you're a full person, I'm a full person, so we deal with each other as if there's no one else around when we're dealing with each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's all stuff I'm learning, or I've been learning over the past six or seven
0: months. Um. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I you, dude. I had a very painful, like, growing process with my partner that I have yeah. now. And it's like, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I also would never fucking go through that again. Yeah. Yeah, I like that, completely. Absolutely not. <laughs> like, <laughs> nope. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was, it was rough. Like, I, there were definitely some times that I, like, felt physically ill. And it was like, yo, this is just, I met, it, it's the, that was the thing about the Jaden interview that I thought was funny because he goes, I met my match. And that's really what it was. Yeah. It's like people were drawn to this person like people were drawn to me. And up to that point, I dated people that were, like, not really outside like that. Yeah. So for her to be, like, as charismatic, for her to have as much attention and all that stuff, it was very confronting.
1: Wow. That's, uh, that's interesting. Because it sounds really different than, well, I don't know. She thinks that, like, they are girls that are into me, but, like, I'm such a blunt instrument that it kind of just goes over my head um but obviously she she has a bunch of guys around trying to talk to her all the time
0: too so but it doesn't bother me Mm
1: -hmm. I don't know I was well I think the other thing thing. is like
0: a lot of it like I said you know I started all of this with talking about confidence and so a really big part of it is like I got to grow into understanding and seeing the subtleties, yeah, in in women's approach, because yeah. of my openness to connection. So it's like when you go around believing that people want to connect with you, you see their activity different than when you assume that they don't want to connect with you. But it takes a lot more work for them to logically spend as much time and be talking to you, yeah, for you to make that connection than it does for you to accept that like maybe they're into you, yeah so i just started using less evidence to support claims it's like maybe i don't need like a, a book worth of cues to move on something
1: yeah
0: cuz it, it, it for me it, it was stemmed in fear i don't want to be rejected and it's like bro fuck it like <laughs> yeah i think for me it, it happens far less like, than you think um
1: i think for me it was just i, I don't want to say laziness I think it kind of was laziness like I just I don't know if I have the energy to entertain somebody other than uh, somebody that I think is is a good fit for me, you know, Mm -hmm. and especially like where we are in Southern California and where Rob and I work like there's so many there's so many beautiful women that it stops meaning anything. Yeah. so really what you look for and stands out and is unique is who this person is and you know what parts of their personality and interests connect with you and uh I think that's kind of what 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 I was waiting for and I kind of found in like a handful of people around here you know not just with this one person that I ended up seeing you know mm-hmm. Uh. But yeah, I just I I've known for like a long time that I just don't have the energy just to like date girls just because they're they're physically attractive or yeah. like we meet on like one or two points of interest, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just I don't have the energy for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> there was, was definitely this... when I that was definitely a younger man thing. You yeah, know?
1: right. There was a Oops. there was this comedian I used to work at this comedy club and he. He used to talk about like how how he's gotten older and like how his perspective on everything is is different. And he's like, I'm like an like an old veteran outfielder in baseball. Like when yeah. I was a rookie, like I would run down and dive and lay out for like to catch balls and stuff like that. And he was like, Now if if you're not hitting it right to me and I can stick out my glove and snag it, <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not doing it you know right and i think like it's more in line with (laughs) you know
0: i'm at the age where like yeah go ahead oh i was gonna say like one of the things that also uh it helped me with it it kind of like and i don't want this to sound uh it's not derogatory towards the people you're going on the dates with but like yeah making dates matter less was really important in me finding my happiness because it allowed me to just (laughs) hang out with people and I it's like it. asking you on a date is enough of like uh, I won't say a flattery, but it's enough of an expression of intention yeah. that you can be intentional about the time spent with someone who happens to be more of a stranger or an acquaintance yeah. than is like justified with someone that you don't have intimacy with. So it's like me asking you on a date and making that about like wanting to go bowling or wanting to go fucking like rafting or like whatever it is. And just finding people that I enjoyed doing things with, one, opened up my eyes to, like, a spectrum of social interaction that I just hadn't really included myself in. Because I assumed that, like, honestly, probably, like, something was wrong with me or something like that. And the actuality was, like, yo, I just, if I present the things that I like doing to people who like doing them, they're going to, they already want me around. Yeah, The understanding that we have something in common just makes that better. And learning how to make, you know, friendships and relationships and allowing those friends and and relationships to be attractive people sometimes that I don't have a dating history with or I don't have an interest in. Because oftentimes beautiful people know beautiful people and beautiful people who like to do what I like to do know other beautiful people who like to do what I like to do. And like I can get to know even more people through that. So just being open to like dates meaning far less and just being like, yo, let's go hang out.
1: I always gained so much wisdom talking to you, Nico. I feel like I can go out and attack the world now. Just have you yeah, listen that, to that's,
0: that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> that's fucking
1: awesome. <laughs> See, like this is the stuff I need to start going to I'm gonna get TikTok just so I can listen to more of this. <laughs> so wise. So wise like a dreadlocked Yoda. <laughs> 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 With-
0: i gotta, I got to add that to my reviews. Otherwise known as a dreadlock. <laughs> yeah. Toyota.
1: yeah, I'll put it on Yelp.
0: I appreciate I, you.
1: You're on there um, there's a handful of things I want to talk to you about today. Like, uh, as we kind of moved into, like, our... Uh, I want to talk about nerd culture and where it's heading because it seems like it's definitely cooling off. I heard hmm. Com- Comic-Con's coming to San Diego, I think, next month. And it definitely sounds like the... It's gonna be like the abandoned amusement park
0: this Mm. this year.
1: Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not as many uh, big bodacious events since the spectacles Mm -hmm. kind of died down. I don't think Marvel goes anymore like they used to. Um, I think they have their own thing, right? The D23 events where they show off the the slates of what's coming up for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think everybody's kind of figured out that they don't need to spend all this money to go be uh not so much lost in the crowd but one among several other big entities showing off things when we can just have our own thing and everyone's going to show up and line up to watch our our event um -hmm. but uh what do you think about like just the everything kind of mellowing out And it seems like popular culture in general is kind of moving away from Comic book and comic book movies, they're not doing as strongly as they were outside of Spider-Verse, um, etc. Did you see yeah. the flash?
0: Uh I did. I stole it. I didn't wanna I didn't want to pay for something <laughs> that uh, Ezra was in. Yeah. So I stole it. Uh yeah. and I felt yeah. I felt great about stealing it. Um yeah. yeah. I I uh so and it's funny you know i was just watching a video on this where this guy was like talking about the about this topic and he was using yeah. these movies. um and i think the flash and the spider-man movie are like a really great uh example but yeah. i think um so first of all it, it partially it's the two things can be true so yeah. i i do believe that pop culture is kind of like cooling off with the presentation of superheroes and and stuff like that, because it's just like, you know, just like anything else, it's gotten like extremely oversaturated. Like in in 10 years, they'll do like they'll you know, the scary movies of that time will be superhero movies. Yeah. right Um, Probably less, but I'd say like five years Um, where they do like, you know, extreme spoof movies. And there will be a moment of like maybe 2010 to 2020 that'll be known as like the superhero movie era for a little bit just like in the 90s it was like the action the one-man action hero yeah um so i think that like people are just kind of like hungry for something new and the way that studios have been eating each other up there's not a lot of opportunity for that new stuff to show up yeah um but the flash thing is kind of unique because of the like levels of issues. Cause it's like there's the Ezra Miller thing, then there's the James Gunn reset. So it's like you yeah. literally sent this in this message out at the beginning of the year that said, hey guys, nothing that we launch for the next 365 days matters. Yeah. So it's like eh. anything that is anything that can upset the the fan base, they're gonna look at, poke at, pick at, and and tear it apart. so yeah it's like there's that then on the marvel side it's kind of the same not the same thing it's a different thing but the i think the wariness with marvel is you have a wheelhouse that's becoming so big that quality control excuse me uh and budget becomes like things that you have to like constantly balance yeah um so it's like between the availability of reshoots, between the availability of actors, um, the availability of, of, of you know, studios that can provide the CGI. Cause it's like, you know, at one point being part of, being hired to be part of like a, a three movie run versus being hired to take on like 30 movies yeah. and trying to like frantically take on new staff and seek out talent so that you get, like I can understand the pressures. So I think it's like a lot of things all at once. Um, but as a result I'm mean, I'm really excited to see where things like the the indie stories come in because a twenty four consistently knocks it out of the park. Oh, yeah, um, they've been crushing it, yep, Bleaker Street films is another one that I like a lot um so there's uh you know Bloom house I still love so there's a there's a number of uh studios that are smaller that put out amazing content um and I think that'll definitely. Kind of, like, impact, or, or it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But you know, between that and the streaming wars and all the yeah. absorptions and stuff, it's going to be weird for the next like two to five years. The writer's strike, yeah.
1: I think there's something weird or not weird, but uh, something that's going on with Marvel where it's kind of crumbling under its own weight. Where you kind of have mm-hmm. to watch it used to be you watched like two, three movies a year from them, you know, and you were caught up um, It was mm-hmm. spread out over the course of the year. Now you get like three or four movies and like two or three TV shows. And uh, if you miss any of it, like you might be lost in some of it. And it feels like a lot of homework yeah. to do um, versus like, like you said, A24, you get like one self-contained movie and it's a unique uh story. it's really interesting, like everything everywhere all at once. I think we talked about that on this show like multiple times. It is so, so good. It's like nourishing mm-hmm. like the amount of, of care and the message it has in there. Um, mm-hmm. And I just don't think Marvel has anything that deep right now. like I, I got rid of my Disney plus subscription. Um, I think you were mm-hmm. talking to me a little bit about Secret Wars. Like, I was interested in that, but I don't want to, like, sign back up for it just for Secret Wars, like, one thing. No. Yeah.
0: yeah. Two episodes in, I wouldn't tell you to do that. Yeah. Um, like, I love the comic. But... Cool. And that's the thing. And, and the other thing is, like, it's not even Secret Wars. It's Secret Invasion. Oh, yeah. So Secret it's, Invasion, like, yeah. it's a precursor to to things going on, and it's kind of, like, a side thing. I can see how this could be a storyline that – like takes over everything and i could see how they could figure out ways to make this not matter but it's only two episodes in, yeah so there's like but there are definitely ways for them to make it a self-contained story um so that it only matters in the context of like oh we've released it now yeah but um yeah i think like you said crumbling under its own weight is a really accurate depiction like i just saw there's a clip within the show like there's flashbacks of nick fury and like some of the clips from, like, Iron Man, I'm like, holy shit, bro, that was a while ago. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, his face does not look the same. And it's, like, no insult to him at all. It's just his face does not look the same. And I'm like, oh, man, time has passed. Like, jeez. So, you know, I think uh, there's that where it's, like, there's, there's switching over to a new generation of actors and like front runners they're switching over to a new generation of fans they're dealing with a generation of fans that come in with the assumption of marvel movies as opposed to like being brought into a world that's like super exciting because you've been brought up on the books and stuff like that they're disconnect i think there's a disconnect so it's like there there was an it was inevitable um i think that's also part of it it was inevitable i think comic books will survive the characters yeah. will survive the, the, these companies will continue chugging along but there's going to be there, something else needs to occur for the next generation to become excited do you have a um, prediction
1: on uh, james gunn and his new superman because they just casted the new superman and it seems i like don't it's mixed.
0: i don't think it's going to do well I don't even uh I think it'll probably be i this is my prediction. It'll be the lowest performing Superman movie.
1: I could see that. Because I feel like ugh, I don't know. I I think Superman's really hard to do. I think if any of us okay. have anybody do it, I think James Gunn would probably be the best one to do it. 'Cause he with the Guardians movies, I feel like he's really good about having character arcs and development, etc. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like Superman is really, really tricky because I feel like Mm -hmm. there is a section of the fan base. I'm sure we've talked about it on the show before. There's a section of the fan base that is like surface level and they just want to see the fucking uber powerful guy fucking punch bad guys, you know? And then there's people who kind of know that Superman is kind of a story about like Hope and him being the example that the human race could follow. Like, I am an example of absolute power not being corrupted, absolutely. All you have to do to be a good person is just be good, you know? Mm-hmm. I was raised by a good uh, set of parents that instilled these these values in me, and I want to uh, share them with the world, and I want everyone to, you know, follow mm-hmm. my example. And uh, I feel like when you get the summer Blackbusters crowd that just want to go in and munch popcorn and see like the spectacle like I don't think they are gonna sit still for like two hours and you know well see the story about Clark
0: yeah and uh, it's right so there's that's that's my issue with that right like that's what I feel like is gonna happen but uh so two things the first is there's this uh little clip that's been circulating of I think it's uh Matt Damon on Hot Wings and he's being asked, like, you know, if there's a way for you to articulate what is going wrong with film, like what yeah. it would be. And Have you seen this clip? No, I haven't. OK, so, yeah, he gets asked this question on Hot Wings and he explains it. And it's actually like a re- he does it really well. He articulates, articulates it really well. He's like in the 90s. You had these movies. First of all, you could depend on the DVD release, right? So you'd have these movies. You put like you know fifty million into the movie. Maybe you only get like twenty-five, thirty on the uh, on the box office. But when the DVD release came out, you would get this whole other wave. By that point, you've built up some hype. People want to have the movie. There's like a extended run of time where people can purchase it, so on and so forth, right? So that was where a lot of uh, actors were getting the bulk of their money. Now with the way that things are set up, there's the level of investment required for a movie for it to make sense for the, the uh, studio to release. Um, they have to make back a certain amount and people don't go to the movies to see those types of movies anymore. Yeah. Right. So there's, uh, again, like the two things are true thing where it's like the studios relied on the power of blockbusters and like tried to make everything be that. And as yeah. a result, it be, it started ringing hollow as opposed to things being like a moment within a given year. Um, so I'm trying, I feel like I might have like rambled until I lost my place, actually. <laughs> I mean, <that's> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, it's just, you know, the, oh, that's what it was. I was talking about the Matt Damon thing. So it's like, that's yeah. the first part of it. And then uh, the other part of it is, superheroes I think are really tough to do because they require a more black and white take. And we're in the era of information and context. Yeah. So anyone can be a villain with a turn of the angle and it's like, okay, yeah. now we're, it's not as believable for us to be like, this person's just a champion of X. It's yeah. like, yo, Superman would have a, have a responsibility to intercede at some level. <laughs> Cause at this point, and, and if you do it that way, then you, you can't have Superman be who he's supposed to be.
1: Exactly. I feel like um, I was listening to somebody like forever ago, um, and they were talking about like just the idea of Superman in general. And uh, I think early on, because this dude's been around since like the 40s. And the idea mm-hmm. back then was that like, you know, he was an extension of the government and uh like government agencies and things like that, like the police, you know, and back Mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. to a lot of people that was, you know, the government was your friend, the president was your friend, you know, but like around the sixties and seventies, people started pushing back and being more uh, questioning of the status quo. Um, Superman just kind of came off as like this giant, like narc hall monitor, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and they had to, reinvent him in a way. Same thing with, like, Captain America, you know, they kind of had to make right. him to a point where he kind of questions the government that right. is in front of him now in modern modern era. And I don't know if they ever really... I know they've rebooted Superman a bunch of times trying to, like, fix the issue and getting him to connect with uh, modern audiences. Because, um, you know, doing the big blue Boy Scout thing it just isn't going to hit with everyone nowadays um so yeah i think you might be right i think it's gonna be like unless james gunn sprinkles some of that guardians of the galaxy uh magic over it uh i think it it could be in trouble i don't know anything about the guy though either
0: yeah no me neither and i know nothing i don't have any expectations i I would love to be wrong but i feel as though uh, there is a bit of like exhaustion. People are looking for new themes. People are looking yeah. for new um, genres when it comes yeah. to
1: film. Uh, you were speaking. You just quick aside. You talked about uh, Matt Damon, and I wanted to ask you if you'd seen that movie Air about the the advent of the Air Jordan, the Jordan One.
0: Uh, so it's actually funny that you asked. So when I went out to Oklahoma, yeah. uh, I was at my um my lady's sister's house and her man had it on. So I ended up watching it. uh, Again, stolen. Um, (laughs) I'm such a pirate. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, I was not uh, not impressed. No? Actually, no, hold on. So I'm going to tell you the part that did impress me. The part that did impress me is that they somehow managed to make a movie without any of the people who people care about when it comes to the brand. Like it was (laughs) a movie about all the people who no one gives a fuck about. It was like making a movie about the guy who came up with the font for credits at the end of the film. No one gives a fuck. Everyone's walking out at that point in the movie. No one cares about how fucking painstaking it was. I'm sorry. Like, you know, thank you for your contribution I'm glad you got compensated and I'm glad you you found your passion and, and it pays your bills. But like yeah. no one gives a fuck, bro. Like we're leaving when that happens. If I don't yeah. know my homie in the movie, I'm not staying to watch the credits. So it's like when it comes to the sneakers, it's like, bro, I don't give a fuck about the weird white dude in the basement that they yeah. went to to try to fucking scientifically <laughs> engineer the. Who gives a fuck?
1: Yeah. Um, I Um, I I also thought it was funny that they
0: didn't show Mike's face.
1: Yeah, I think I knew that going in, so it wasn't really like a surprise for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I really, I enjoyed uh, the push and pull between the dude who was just trying to take a big swing and a gamble because he had a gut feeling about this player, and like we know, watching the movie, the end result, this guy ends up being like. One of if not the greatest basketball players of all time, you know, and everyone around mm-hmm. him is like, Are you fucking kidding me? Off this rookie? He's never even mm-hmm. played yet. Like, you know? And he's the yeah. one guy by himself. It's a it's probably the reason why I love Moneyball. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. And I'm not super in I could not care less about baseball, but it's a movie about like No, but I would so, love
0: I will watch anything that Brad Pitt is in. It's For like sure. trust
1: it's about trusting the process, you know? And um, yeah, it's
0: I like having players. this belief.
1: I love Moneyball. Mm-hmm. Like I, like I said, I do not yes. care about baseball, but like, I think even like some of the, I don't know if you call it cinematography, like maybe the theming, but like, you know, you mm-hmm. see him like going to work out and stuff like that. And it's kind of like the same thing. Like you just trust the process. Mm-hmm. You trust the process. You stick to it You stick to it You stick to it. And then eventually, you know, you see the results start to pay off. And I think like at the end of that movie, like, uh, He's not working out anymore. He's just sitting in the gym listening to the game because he doesn't go to the games out, obviously, you know, if you've seen it. Um, and mm-hmm. it pays off. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but it pays off. He trusted the process, and it fucking pays off big. And I love mm-hmm. these kind of stories where, like, you know, this guy yeah. just – I trust my gut. I believe in this thing, and you're trying to convince people around you, you know, and that's why thats why I kind of like – I like air.
0: I enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, and I think and so to that, right, to that to that point um, it reminded me of movies that they that they did used to make where it's like, oh, this is like a really human film. Yeah. Um, I just have my personal contentions with the centralization of white narratives in black stories. (laughs) Yeah, but like the Air Jordans. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, bro, the guy is literally, like, are you serious? Like, (laughs) now that being said, Mike is still alive and he's an asshole. So I imagine it'd be incredibly difficult to make a movie about him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other, but it's just something about the centralization of two white men from Boston in a movie (laughs) about a black man's branded shoe uh that just is mind-boggling to me it's like bro that that means that y'all spent millions of dollars plus uh on this film to make it about white people and like that's just (laughs) that's so wild
1: um i didn't think about it like that but yeah you're right um you said you had seen spider-verse i think we texted a little bit about it right you said oh, you my God. pirated that one,
0: too? A little bit. Oh, I stole it, but I'll pay to go watch that. <laughs> I'll pay to go watch that. I love that, that's, that. Your, that, was, that that's, really that's your amazing. rating
1: system. <laughs> that's yeah. Your, that's your, yeah. your start. Steal it. That's my rating system
0: post-watch. Post My rating system post-watches. Oh, I totally would have paid to see that. <laughs> that's how you know it was good. I would have paid for that one.
1: Steal it is just like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: And then, like, yeah, fuck this yeah, shit, yeah, like, avoid it. Nah, steal that shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Spider Man, uh, Spider Verse was 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 fucking incredible. That was a phenomenal movie. That was a yeah. masterclass in fucking filmmaking, in yeah. multiverse uh, uh, storytelling, yeah. um, in in animation. Um, Dude,
1: the animation is so fucking breathtaking.
0: Oh, it is so my breathtaking. God, phenomenal! The mixers, like the scene, of frame rates, fucking yeah. seamless. The scene where, like,
1: they were like, I think they're on the side of a building, and then she walks underneath and mm-hmm. like, sits down, and they're upside down, and then they flip it, yeah. so it looks like the cityscape yeah. is upside down. Dude, I, my mind was blown. I was like,
0: the wedge down part. to the cross leg, like
1: exactly. Oh, it was oh man, gorgeous.
0: just the little details, the, the frigging, the Indian Spider-Man kid, the, his cuffs being the web slinger, yeah, exactly. his moves were so fucking amazing, yeah. oh it's easy, oh my god, he was great. <laughs> he was yeah, great, he was so obviously, Hobie, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 uh, what's the dude's uh, name,
1: Daniel Kaluuya?
0: Yeah. Is that it? I was, I was, yeah, Daniel Kaluuya, I was extremely happy with his uh, character um i'm happy with everyone else's fixation of him i'm happy with his blackness i'm happy with his punkness i'm happy with his british accent i'm happy with all of it it was great yeah fucking fucking phenomenal
1: yeah i don't want to spoil it but like all the cameos like i'm gonna have to sit through multiple times to like kind of pick through all the different versions of of spider-man and then uh ben (laughs) Riley. we can talk about ben Riley because he was pretty great
0: fucking hilarious
1: (laughs) because i didn't even Is know that it.
0: andy sandberg
1: it's andy sandberg i didn't know until after
0: oh my god yeah. <laughs> so fucking funny bro so funny. i was crying
1: and then also apparently there's like two different versions of movies in theater like so uh they're like different um and they did it on purpose i think mm-hmm. some type of multiverse tomfoolery but uh yeah, there's there's different lines of dialogue, I and mean, I think they pointed out his dialogue specifically because it's so like over the top dramatic, you know. Looking at the walls. Yeah, those are normal.
0: Oh uh, my god, I was crying.
1: Yeah, it was really mm-hmm. good. Um, I think <laughs> I got out of the theater, and I immediately I texted Rob, and I was like, I didn't want to, I didn't want him to have any expectations or anything. I was like, I'm not going to say anything. I just—we need to go see it as soon as possible. And he was like, "That good?" Huh? And mm-hmm. I was like, "I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to get your hopes <laughs> up or down. We just have to go see this movie." And uh, he went inside with his friend and his son. And he texted me and he was like, "Dude, that shit was amazing. We have to go see it again. We have to go see yeah. it as soon as possible." Like it, the Spider-Man movies these last few years, between this and No Way Home. Like I know mm-hmm. I have biased because Spider Man's my guy, but Yeah. Fuck. They're so strong. They're so strong.
0: No, they are. And the problem is with that, is that it's getting uh it's getting Sony all like hot and bothered yeah. for itself. And it's like, yo, you're not the secret sauce. Exactly. So y'all are about to y'all are about to fuck this up with this crazy movie. <laughs> exactly. I have never seen a trailer that so clearly depicted to me that the movie was going to be complete shit.
1: 100%.
0: Just an absolute dumpster fire of shit. Like, I was like, this is phenomenally bad (laughs) for a trailer.
1: I wasn't sure if it was just me. Because, like, there are stories that I really do love with Craven. Like, I have a bunch of uh, uh, comics where him Mm -hmm. and Spidey are tangling and there's some actually Craven is a result of uh he results in some of my favorite stories because I think he's just quick aside he uh he finds a way to unleash the lizard Dr. Kurt Connors and Mm -hmm. it, it results in Kurt Connors uh he induces him turning into the lizard the lizard hunts down the rest of his family and uh they establish that in a habitat when any time a new a male takes over, like, uh, they take over in general, they will kill the young of the previous male. Just mm-hmm. And so that's what the lizard does. He kind of views Kirk Connors as, like, a rival male. So he tracks down his son and he fucking eats him. And, like, Kirk Connors is aware, oh. like, in the back of his subconscious, like, He can see through the eyes, so he has to watch as the lizard fucking eats his son, and he just fucking, like, in a way, kind of commits suicide and just dissolves into the subconscious of the lizard. Um, So, like, and Craven did this shit. Um, Mm -hmm. So Craven has some really strong stories, plus like Craven's last hunt, etc., 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 but I don't know how strong of a character he is if Spider-Man's not around. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, that's mm-hmm. what made him interesting, like, hunting this superhuman, you know? I don't want to see him, like, taking down gun runners and shit like Same that. Or, like, Morbius. Poachers. Yeah. Just, he's not interesting without Spidey to me, but I thought that was just maybe my bias.
0: And even with Spidey, Morbius is just a way to bring Blade into the picture.
1: Exactly! Exactly! <laughs> yeah. Completely.
0: Sony robbed us.
1: Yeah. Maybe... I get the feeling, and this is just a shot in the dark. Uh, uh, I think that they're going to try and tickle that nostalgia boner by bringing Andrew Garfield into these. And that's what they're going to do moving forward. Because I think I heard a rumor. I mean, there's always a rumor about him springing up in, like, the next Venom, like, Venom 3 or whatever. And mm-hmm. I I mean, we're aware at these studios kind of – know that they're playing on nostalgia like i know that that's kind of what the big thing was in no way home and also in spider-verse but they have really good stories around all the nostalgia it wasn't like just characters that we grew up with or loved mm-hmm. just showing up to be like hey remember me and then fucking off for the rest of the movie like they play like a part in the story and the narrative that they're telling you know and right. i get the feeling that if they just have Andrew Garfield show up in Venom 3 or in uh, Craven. It'll be more just like, hey, it's that guy you like. Remember? Please buy our movie and come see it. And all those other shit, yeah, uh, right. I'm not, I'm not on board with that.
0: Horrible. I was, <laughs> upset. I was really upset. I was like, y'all really put money into this.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't things. know if I would have picked. I don't know if I would have picked. I like, uh, what's his name? Aaron Taylor Johnson. Is that
0: him? I think yeah. I, I like yeah, him I as an him. actor
1: in certain things, mm-hmm. but I just I don't mm-hmm. know if I would have picked him for craving.
0: You know? No. Honestly, it's not some. I just it's not believable. Like it just is like yeah. And that's the other thing. Like for me, there's a there's some there's some disappointment not only in the casting but even in the acceptance of the role. It's like, bro, you really want this on your resume? You thought this was going to be a good idea?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like yeah. who convinced who did you like convince you that this was going to be a good one to put in your filmography? Uh,
1: mm-hmm. Um, I actually. So the video games have been doing it really, really well, like the Spider-Man games, and I think Kraven's. Yeah, be- they've gotten him in the
0: game. I would have been like, yeah.
1: dope. Because there's a trailer that came out like uh, I want to say a few months ago, where there's like a dude mm-hmm. in the jungle. and actually thought it was Kraven, and he's like. He's clearly tracking somebody and then mm-hmm. uh, Craven comes out of the shadows and he was like, I've been in your shadow for like an hour and you'd see nothing and you fucking murdered the guy. And I was like, oh shit. Like, I would love yeah. it if this guy was the guy that was showing up in the movies. If they get a guy, something like this, then I'd be super down. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It mm-hmm. seems like, ugh, they just don't know. They're not super familiar with these characters. Like, that's the whole reason they had to go to Marvel to help them redo their version of Spider Man, right? Like they just don't yeah, get
0: like make some tips. Imagine they do a fucking silver, silver Saber movie or some shit. Like, what, what the fuck is <laughs> Yeah,
1: like, I, I, I mean, it still might be in the works or somewhere on somebody's desk, but I remember hearing the mumblings about like them trying to have like an Aunt, an Aunt May movie where she's like a secret spy
0: or some dumb shit. Oh my God. You never heard that? No, I didn't. Burn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> burn it and exactly. assassinate the writer. Yeah.
1: I think they were just really trying to grasp it. Like, I mean, obviously they're trying to milk their one Marvel entity that they have, you know, like, well, we have access to all mm-hmm. these characters, the the uh, Sinister Six, etc. Like, let's just get the most bang for our buck out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Marvel. But... We almost got Sinister Six. Well, technically, I think there kind of was Sinister Six. It was just Ven- Venom was kind of like fucking off at a bar at the end of the movie at that end credit scene in No Way Home. That's mm-hmm. the sixth villain.
0: Right. So we get I a little like Easter egg, but I would have been yeah. fine with an Easter egg, bro.
1: Yeah, completely. I don't, I don't know if I said it on here, but I think there was, I would have preferred to have. The, the end credit scene of that movie be like the Tom Hardy Eddie Brock kind of comparing notes with mm-hmm. the Topher Grace Eddie Brock where they're just kind of like shooting right. shit. I feel like that would have been that one it would have been more humorous you know and uh, a wink and a nod and it ties into the whole multiverse uh, theme that
0: they had going. I also believe 100% that Topher Grace is like, an asshole in real life and probably make that difficult. You think so? I don't know why. I just have a feeling.
1: I think I I heard heard something I heard an interview of of something where, like, he was I think they were supposed to be doing a promo for, like, whatever TV show he's doing now, but they were doing a promo for uh, No Way Home and he pitched an idea where, like, they were or maybe it was for for Venom 2 and, like, everybody else that's, like, in the family is like excited for it. And he was like, I don't know, this guy playing uh, playing Venom and Eddie Brock, I just don't know. I don't, he, just, he just doesn't do it for me. And the whole gag is that like, you know, he was the original Eddie Brock mm-hmm. on the film. I think yeah. he would have been down for it. He seemed like he was, because I mean, he is a big comic book nerd. Like I remember hearing the commentary oh, he? on like, Spider-Man 3. Yeah. And like in the commentary on Spider-Man 3, I think it's like him. And Toby Maguire and Kirsten Dunst, and like he's dropping knowledge to all of them. Like they're like, yeah, I heard the story about like all these guys, like all these superheroes going to this other world and this. And he's like, are you talking about Secret Wars? And he fucking goes down like the list of all the different uh, stories that came out of it and the lineage of everything. He's like, yeah, he's into it. Mm. And I think he even talked about like throwing it in his mom's face because like when he was a kid growing up. She was like giving shit about his comic books and like this isn't going to get you anywhere in life. And now he's playing like Venom, and he's in like That's one of the highest girls in Spider-Man movies of all time. Yeah, I would never um, let my mom move up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I gotta get ready to start getting up and head to work. Um, it was good catching up with you, brother.
0: Yo, you too, man. Um, let's uh, let's definitely get get together on this and do this again soon.
1: Yeah make some plans i'll try and get a hold of q i know rob comes back today uh, maybe we'll do it like another week or so um i want to encourage everyone to visit us on our instagram uh dynamic menace that's a dynamic period menace um come by yeah, yeah. drop us some comments uh tell us what you want to hear us talk about uh any questions you want to hear us respond to on on the podcast um just give us some feedback we'd love to hear it all uh, tell us who your favorite is and why it's Nico. Um, <laughs> 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 We're never going to let that gag die, ever.
0: <laughs> ever.
1: Um, I'm dead. Yeah, but thanks a lot. I want to thank you again, Nico, for, for hanging out for a minute.
0: Absolutely, bro. Talk, I'll talk to you later. soon. Peace. Right,
1: bye.